Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 321. Of all the reasons to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, a wedding is not only one of the most special, but also a really fun one. This week, I had the chance to sail on Mariner of the Seas for a weekend cruise where a good friend tied the knot. And today, I have a look at what it's like to go to a wedding on a Royal Caribbean ship. Here we go. When it comes to going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, it doesn't take a whole lot to convince me to go on one. So when a friend of mine offered, or invited me, I should say, to go to their wedding on a Royal Caribbean cruise, well, let's just say I RSVP'd pretty darn quickly to that. In fact, a lot of my friends were able to come on this wedding, and going on a cruise for a wedding is kind of an interesting experience because it takes the cruise vacation that I have come to love and enjoy and takes it to a little twist, different level, if you will. And actually joining me on this episode of the podcast is someone who joined me for the wedding. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun to go on there. It's uh, Brandon Owen from the great metropolis of Oviedo, Florida. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We actually, uh, Brandon and I not only went on this cruise together, we're recording this this episode hours after getting home. So if we're not the peppiest, most energetic people on the planet right now. You'll have to understand we're going through the uh, the post-cruise blues. Although Brandon is going back on a cruise next week, so maybe it's not so bad for you, Brandon. Four days. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right, I'm going through the post-cruise blues, and uh, but we had a great time on Mariner, and that's why I think I'm. It's it's a little struggle on back on land today. Uh, this was a three-night cruise, Mariner of the Seas. Uh, actually, uh, many of you know who actually got married. If you listen to this podcast at length, Michael Poole, who we've had on here a number of times, uh, got married on Mariner of the Seas. It was a fabulous ceremony. We're talking about the wedding and the cruise itself. Uh, the wedding took place at Perfect Day at Coco Key, and then the ceremony was on the, the reception, I should say, was on the ship. We'll talk about that in a little bit here, Brandon. Uh, but let's start off with the ship itself, Mariner of the Seas. Fabulous ship. Uh, you've been on Mariner since her amplification before, prior to the sailing, correct? No, this was my first time on Mariner. Oh, okay, even better. So, what did you think of this uh, of the update? I, I liked it. I mean, we didn't get up to the sky pad. Um, we did do the slides. Uh, we really liked those. Those were fun. I thought the. Um, I don't think the pool deck got the same treatment that I think Navigator did, but it was it was fine. I, I really enjoyed the enjoyed the ship. Yeah, it's nice going to some of the venues. I know that, Brandon, you had an opportunity to check out the Izumi Hibachi, which is new to the ship, the Bamboo Lounge, Playmakers. Uh, it's really nice. I think the the Promenade is really, uh, really Deck 5 and Deck 4, right? Those two areas, the Promenade and right below it, I think are really where you where it shines the most with those updates. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. We didn't spend much time in Playmakers. We spent quite a bit of room or quite a bit of time in the um, Bamboo uh, room. Uh with their unique drinks and those sorts of things in the atmosphere. And there was really nice. What do you, uh, what did you gravitate towards in the bamboo room? Uh, they had a Benny's Mai Tai that I thought was very good. Nice. Good choice. Absolutely. Um, so with this cruise, there were about, what were they, Brandon? 80 people, I think, or on the, in the w- total wedding party. Yeah. Roughly 80, I think. Yeah. So not actually much larger. <clears throat> I remember talking to Michael about this and he, me- he mentioned this in one of his remarks during the wedding that, you know, there it was a lot more people I think than they were expecting to go on a wedding cruise. This is a destination, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, interestingly, our itinerary changed a little bit prior to the sailing. I want to talk a little bit about where we were supposed to go and where we ended up. I guess not going or going instead. Well, initially we were supposed to go to Freeport on uh, Saturday, 
and then followed by Coco Key on or Coco Key on uh, on Sunday, depending on how you pronounce that. Um, <laughs> and, I, and there was a uh, as because of the hurricane that recently hit uh, Freeport, uh, they decided not to go there. Uh, the port, I guess, is not open at this point in time uh, for uh, for travel, and um, so we were kind of just biding our time doing a sea day out there. And then probably, what, about 3 o'clock or so, uh, there was a medical emergency on board, and they diverted us to uh, Port Everglades to drop off a, uh, a passenger who was having medical issues. And, uh, and then we turned around and, and left right, right away again. That was kind of interesting. Never done that before. Yeah, that was the first for me as well. So they canceled Freeport, as Brandon said, and we're just going to have a sea day. So the itinerary was uh, day, day one is embarkation day. Day two is sea day. Day three is perfect day. And then back. And during the sea day, they brought us back to Port Everglades, and we were there for uh, a half an hour, maybe, right? Maybe, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody could get off the ship other than the people. It wasn't like you and I could get off there. Although I would have enjoyed that actually to be able to. We could have we could have hung out with Billy from CruiseHabit.com. <laughs> he was crying not too far away, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other thing that was kind of interesting, u- not unique, but something I haven't experienced in quite a while is actually we had some rough seas. We did. We did. And, uh, as a matter of fact, when I came back into port uh, this morning, uh, one of the folks at the um, at the facility was asking me about the seas and everything. They did have the bags out a couple of nights, but I, I didn't bother me, but I, I guess it did bother some people. Yeah, uh, I agree. It didn't bother me. It was just, it's more of a, you notice it first and foremost. And the motion in the ocean, the captain made a couple of announcements about it to keep us informed. In fact, one time he made an announcement, and then a couple hours later, he made a follow-up announcement because people, I don't think, quite took him seriously until it actually started occurring. And they're like, no, really, how bad is this going to be? And you know, just kind of reassure the, the the guests on board, which is very nice. Um, but there was some, there were two basically weather phenomenons occurring. We weren't in a hurricane by any means, but there were some effects in the ocean that were occurring from a, some winds in the east and a storm out north of us. And it was kind of just, we were just caught in the area. And the plan was, as soon as you get into the Bahamas, you get protection from these winds. But in the meantime, for the first uh, number of hours of the evening on night one, and then when we went to Port Everglades and back, we reoccurred the issue again. There were some significant, uh, it, the waves didn't look that bad. Was, I think it was the wind that was jostling the ship. And there was a lot of, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, it was a lot of staggering walking. You know, you're doing your, you're walking down the hallway and you end up starting veering a little to the right, a little to the left. It wasn't like, you know, anything too crazy. It didn't bother me, but I know some people, it did kind of throw them for a loop a little bit. Yeah, I know going down the Royal Promenade, uh, it was almost like a line dance type situation. You know, it would, it would go to the left and everybody would go to the left and go to the right and everybody go to the right. It's kind of, kind of funny to watch everybody walking down the promenade going the same direction. Yeah. Like, and I think it's like that, everybody was drunk at the same time or something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the, um, you know, it, it, it takes a little getting used to some people do it. Some people don't. I remember talking to our good friend, uh, Laura O'Donnell and she was concerned about, it. and I said, Hey, look, if, if, you know, better safe than sorry, you can go down to the medical center on deck uh, one. They'll give you complimentary. That's right. Free, uh, anti-nausea medicine if, if it's worrisome to you. And I think she took one just to, you know, better to be tired than nauseous, I, I, you know, as I say. And uh, that is an option for you, certainly, to take advantage of. And, you know, I got used to it. Um, the thing that actually bothered me more, Brandon, I think you were in a similar situation. Our room was all the way forward. We had a, a large uh, ocean view room on the, literally on the front of the ship. And when you're on the extreme ends of the ship you get more of a sensation of movement than you would say midship and usually i don't it doesn't 
I can't really tell all that much difference, but in weather like this, especially that first night, it was very noticeable. Yeah, well, my, my room was one of the solo cabins down on deck two, so I don't know if we had quite as much motion as you did, but yeah, I was all the way forward. Uh, I had a lot of sound from the thrusters and everything up there, but uh, no, uh, I didn't really experience too much in the way of motion, so... Yeah, I mean, luckily it was. I don't think it was as bad. I hope it doesn't sound like it was as bad as as it was. It wasn't nearly that bad, but it was something different because uh, it doesn't happen all that often. But you know, motion. The, the bottom line is, when it comes to motion in the ocean, you got to make the best of it. Don't don't fear the reaper. <laughs> don't don't assume the worst. And kind of you got to go with the flow as best you can. Yeah, I think the only thing it impacted was it canceled the ice show the first night. Yeah, um, that's they a good did, point. they didn't have that so. So let's talk about the let's talk about the wedding itself. Uh, the wedding was on day three, perfect day, and it was actually right on the what it was it was on a sandy area. Well, I wouldn't call it a beach in the sense that people weren't like swimming right behind it, but it was uh, this nice scenic overlook. Uh, basically, if you if you walked off the ship, walked down the pier, took a left, you and went past the Straw Market. It was right there in a very nice area. It wasn't uh, what someone mentioned to me, and, I didn't, and they were absolutely right. It wasn't very cra- It wasn't like there were a lot. There weren't people around. I didn't feel like it, w- w- the wedding was taking place like in the middle of like a party. Or, you know what I mean? Like it was kind of. It felt a little secluded, if you will. Yeah, there was a walled off area, and there was nobody walking close by it um, at all, really. Uh, so it was very private. There were people on the bridge watching, I think, from a from a good distance, and and the seagulls that flew in that were making noise during the ceremony. But uh, <laughs> they were they were they were still a little ways off as well. But yeah, it was very private, very nice. Uh, ship in the background was 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I was just happy that because it's an outdoor wedding, beach, September, not exactly the the coolest time of the year. And if Billy was here, he and I would be waxing poetically about the virtues of not sweating. So I was quite happy that it was not with there was a nice breeze uh, happening and it actually was quite nice being out there and it was a beautiful ceremony and I think I think a good time was had by all. Yeah, it was great and they um, it was overcast until right before the ceremony started so that worked out very well. Absolutely, and I know that you and I both took advantage. Uh, a number of people did as well. There are actually restrooms right very very close by to the wedding area. So it was great because we were all dressed for the wedding, and then we just simply hopped in there, changed, and then headed back out, and it was pool time. Sure was. Everybody headed to the Oasis pool. Yeah, great great time. So uh, really nice there. And did you spend your day in the pool, or did you uh, venture around Perfect Day as well? Well, I stayed in the pool pretty much with everybody because it was more about the experience of being with friends and everything. And plus, I'm going back this weekend. Uh, we plan to do the water park this weekend and, and some other things this weekend, so... Nice. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, you know, in terms of this is actually my second wedding I've attended at Coco Key. And this venue was really nice. Um, I re- the ship was basically in the background. Uh, you had the waves crashing right behind it. It was it was a really nice thing. And I'm hoping the photos that they get from it were, were really great. So um, I think they did. I think Royal did a great job with it. It, it seemed like it flowed pretty darn well. And um, heck, there was even a bar relatively close by. Within walking distance, yes, uh, yeah. and 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 it was no one else was at it, so it was just our group. So it was really yeah. nice. Now we had the reception. The wedding reception was held in the Star Lounge, which is a fantastic venue, I think, for a wedding reception. It's the it's the lounge that is right off the Royal Promenade, at the front of the ship. Um, I think back in the day on Mariner, it used to have an Egyptian theme to it, but they have redone 
the the lounge got redone in one of its recent refurbishments, and it now has it's actually quite classy looking. There's a stage, there's a dance area, and you know uh, you've been to a number of weddings yourself, Brandon, on land. You know, I thought this was, I thought it, the flow of it was quite well because there was ample seating. There was a pretty big dance floor, bar in the back. I felt like there was, you know, it, it obviously is not a, a uh, reception hall like you have on land, but it really suited the needs of what we had quite well. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, it was very, very classy environment. I thought um, they had wait staff there serving uh, beverages and, and things throughout the event. Um, the only thing I thought was a little bit awkward was that the, the restrooms were outside the venue. Um, so you had to kind of go out the, the fire doors to get to the restrooms, which is kind of weird. But uh, everything else was great. Yeah, no, it's it's a really nice spot over there. They had uh, music playing. Uh, they did the first dance, and they had the cutting of the cake. And, you know, it was, I, I think if you're doing a wedding and, you know, whether or not you want to do the actual ceremony on an island or you want to do it on the ship, that's, that's you know, a different conversation. But I really like this venue if you're going to do a private event, whether it is a wedding reception or something else, because it's, it's large enough to feel like you've got space, but not... Uh, like not like expansive that you feel like you're you're like in a gymnasium and like you're like 20 people there and taking up, you know what I mean? Like there's, you need to feel like it's just the right size. All right. And there were a couple of, a couple of small steps, I think. So kind of backed away from, so people could sit close to the dance floor and close to what was going on. Um, uh, and there was plenty of room, but you, like you said, you didn't feel like, you know, you didn't feel like you were in a huge hall or anything. No, it was, it was really nice to be over there. And I think that, you know, sharing in it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, it had its touching moments, um, and I'm being able to spend their time with with friends on there. It was also a really nice touch because I think a lot of us got a chance to catch up. And you know, this is what we talk about all the all the time on the podcast. Is you know, what do I love about cruising? What makes be- what's better than a real coming cruise? A cruise with friends and being able to uh, share in that not only in in Michael and Hillary's uh, you know special day. But also to be able to, you know, see friends on there, that was a really nice uh, option. And the great thing about getting married on a cruise, by the way, is, you know, unlike if you get married in a re- somewhere on land, you know, you have the the event, the actual wedding itself in, in a specific area. But it's very easy in between that time, whether it's you know in the morning or in the evening, to go separate places. But on a cruise ship, you're you're all still together. You know, you're in the different bars together, the shows, the restaurants. It's kind of nice having that continuous feel of being able to uh, to spend time with everybody. Yeah, and I thought sort of the nice thing about this being with the wedding being on the last day of the cruise is is that was sort of the everything kind of led up to that. So everything kind of built to the wedding and then the reception. And so the reception kind of almost became a farewell party, too. That's a really good point. Yeah. And looking back on it, I agree with you now. I think uh, it makes total sense for for that. So, um, well, you know, Brandon, uh, this is really great. But since it is your first time, uh, well, being featured host on the podcast. We certainly heard your voice in past podcast episodes on group cruises, but uh, I want to get to let the audience get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and uh, just give me the first thing that comes to your mind uh, to answer. Are you ready? All right. I'll give it a try. Uh, Since you sailed on Mariner of the Seas, what is your best tip for someone going on Mariner for their first time? Uh, I think what you mentioned before is uh, like bring your bathing suit day one and your carry on. 
um, we uh, we were able to go up, and we were the very first people with no lines on the um, on the water slides on day one. So I think that was a that was a great thing to do. And, and number two, if I can give you a second one, um, was uh, where I happened to be. We carried on, and and we just went down, and the doors to our cabin were already open when we got on board. Um, so we were able to unpack and get changed right away. So nice. What is your favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? I would still say probably my favorite is um, Giovanni's Table on Navigator when we were on there what for the uh, group cruise a couple of years ago. Uh, that was the, that was the, probably the best meal I've ever had on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Nice. What is your preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? I like my beers. Uh, probably Stone IPA in the pub. Good choice. Uh, what is your favorite port of call to visit? Oh, I, I think now it's probably Coco Key uh, or Coco Key. Uh, you you had uh, tried to sway me to Labadee in the past, and and uh, <laughs> I think I would think it's got to be Coco Key now. That's it's great. It's close. You can get there easily on a lot of a lot of cruises, and it's uh, it's just beautiful, absolutely beautiful there. Yes, couldn't have said it better. And what, lastly, what's your I was the question I have written down is what's your favorite song on the radio or iPod today? Maybe we'll, what's your favorite song in the pub to hear, Brandon? <laughs> uh, Rocky Top, maybe. I don't <laughs> <laughs> As a Florida Gators fan, how could you possibly say that? Well, just uh, just trying to uh, uh, trying to do that for uh, for my friend Michael. But uh, I'm not a huge music person. I just like you know I like any any kind of. Uh, uh, you know, any, anything with the guard, the guitar players playing, and I can't name the one that uh, everybody else seems to like so much. So the Alice song, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Awesome. Well, Brandon, <laughs> thanks so much for, uh, for joining us here. Really good stuff. And, uh, looking forward to, uh, cruising with you again, not, unfortunately not in four days, uh, but we do have actually, you're, you're on the freedom of the seas, Royal Caribbean blog group cruise coming up. I am. As a matter of fact, I was just looking at excursions for that today. Awesome. And of course, if you want more information about that, this is uh, Freedom of the Seas, December 29th, 2019. You can join us for that or any of the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruises. It's available at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. Brandon, thanks again for joining us here. And uh, I appreciate the help. And I am totally not bitter at all that you're going back on a sh- the ship in four more days. Okay. Well, thanks, Matt, for having me on. I really appreciate it. And you do great work. I, I thank you so much. It's cruise question time. It's part of the episode where I dive into the emails you sent me and we answer the questions right here on the air. And of course, you can always send me your emails about anything Royal Caribbean related to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email today is coming to us from Dean who writes, I finally taken your advice to YOLO book it. My fiance and I are booked to go on Symphony of the Seas in February 2020. My best friend is part of the entertainment crew on board, so I just knew I had to go. I was originally looking to book the Central Park interior room, but realized Central Park balcony was only about $30 more per person at the time of booking, so I put in my credit card and booked the cruise. I do wish I had checked flights beforehand because with the cruise costing about $1,200 each with family and friends crew discount, it's actually going to be cheaper than the airfare tickets as we're flying from Sydney, Australia, and the tickets are going to cost anywhere upwards from $1,700 each. Anyway, thought I'd keep it short this time and look forward to your next podcast episode. Dean, thank you so much for the email, and I think your experience is a really good tip whether you're coming from Australia or not, in that when you're looking at booking a cruise, 
you probably should look at the airfare around the same time, especially if you are going to know you're going to have to fly to the destination. Um, if you book with a travel agent, by the way, Dean, one thing you could have done was had the travel agent put a 24-hour hold. Travel agents can put a 24-hour complimentary hold. In fact, they can keep putting holds perpetually on there. Obviously, each time one hold expires, you're subject to whatever the new pricing is. But this is a really good strategy to check airfare prices, maybe make sure you can get the time off from your boss or you know any other obligations you need to take care of that you'd like to feel pretty good about before you put that money down for that cruise vacation. But Dean, it's a really good reminder that these are things we want to be doing to make sure that you know, you're not booking a cruise and then realizing, oh no, you've created a problem because there's something you weren't anticipating. But hopefully the airfare prices will maybe move a little for you. And if not, well, I think there are worse things you can spend money on than a great cruise vacation. Next up, we have an email from Michael Arnold who writes, I'm going for a cruise on my birthday in November. My question is, how much does Royal Caribbean hold if you use a debit card for buying stuff on board? I'm really thinking about doing just cash, but I don't have a credit card. Michael, thanks for the email. And essentially, if you use a debit card, the system is going to treat it just like a credit card because obviously debit cards can be used in that way. And it's going to put a series of holds on there to ensure that, of course, the account, the charges you're making can be <laughs> can be um, protected against. That being said, if you don't have a credit card, you probably then want to go with a cash-only account because that will avoid an issue with your debit card with a bunch of holds, which may or may not cause an issue for you. But if you go with a cash-only account, well, then the only issue you're going to run into is you need to make sure you have enough cash on hand and deposit it in your account to be able to do any charges. Because if you don't have enough cash to preload on your account or to periodically go down to get services and deposit more money, there could be a situation in which you won't be able to buy anything else on the ship until you put more cash in your account. So uh, I would tell you that if you have a debit card and you don't have a credit card, you probably want to go with a cash-only account just because I think the hold situation, I know debit cards are a little funky with that. I, I feel like the cash-only account would probably be the better course of action for you. Thank you for the email. Next, we have an email from Rick writes, in 2017, on a European cruise out of Barcelona on board Brilliance of the Seas, we purchased a stay a while package. You get to get off the ship by 1 or 2 p.m. on the last day, perfect for late flights out. You put a special tag on your luggage and get to enjoy the Windjamere for lunch and then lay or seat around the ship and get to get off the ship at your leisure. If it is still offered, it may be only available on European cruises and at the time, it cost us $45 Canadian for each person. Thank you, Rick. And this is actually, you're right, this is a European-only activity. In fact, up until not too long ago, I didn't even know this was an option. It seems that some of the policies and offerings will be dependent on the region you're in. So in the case of Europe, Rick is correct. It's not available in the United States or any North American cruises, but they have this option where when your cruise is over, because sometimes people have later flights in the day, they, Royal Caribbean offers an option to stay on board a little bit longer. Because usually you have to get off the ship by, you know, 9, 9.30 in the morning. And, uh, you know, in, in Europe, it's more commonplace to have later flights. So by purchasing this option, you can stay on board a little longer. So Rick, thanks for uh, alerting us to this. Always good information, especially if you are going to Europe for the first time. Next, we have an email from Steve, who uh, went on Rhapsody of the Seas, uh, or sorry, is going on Rhapsody of the Seas in April 2020 for the Western Caribbean. Hey Matt, love your podcast, blog, and YouTube content. 
You've made planning my cruise easier and more fun. I appreciate all you do. That being said, upon your glowing review and the reviews of others, good and bad, I booked Maya Chan Resort for our stop at Costa Maya. I have seen way more positive reviews than negative, and I take that with a grain of salt. But when you combine that with the overwhelming amount of caution from the resort itself, I'm left to wonder, what's a realistic expectation? Is the seagrass and water condition as bad as some say, or is it erring on the side of caution by the resort? Personally, I don't care much. I appreciate the natural aspect of it, and it's one of the reasons I chose the resort, but I'm traveling with my mother and stepfather who are used to a more aesthetically pleasing style of resort. I sold them on the level of service and all-inclusive aspect, but I'm afraid the aesthetics may hinder their enjoyment. Just looking for a realistic opinion. Steve, I love Maya Chan, been there a number of times. I think your summary in that last sentence or two is pretty much spot on in that, uh, you know, it's the service is the reason why I go to Maya Chan. I even take the seagrass out of this, take any of those issues, it is still a, a fantastic option. I'm going to give you the worst case scenario, Steve, because I've been there a couple times over the last couple of years and I've seen it in, on the good side. I've seen it on the bad side. The bad side is you have a beach knee deep full of seaweed. They call it seagrass. I'm not a marine something to know the difference. But anyway, uh, it, it, you know, it was knee deep and there were a number of workers spending the day shoveling it off, which by the way, if you have knee deep seagrass, it also has an interesting smell that comes with it as well. Um, but we still had a great time there. And what the eight, what the resort is trying to do here is just simply not miss, feel like they're misleading their guests, not say, okay, you know what? Here's what it's gonna be an awesome, you know, picturesque day. And then you show up there and you're upset about it. They want to make sure at the bottom line that the people that are going there or booking their reservations there are happy and satisfied. And this is this goes back to why I love them so much because of the level of service that they offer here. So if your uh, parents are envisioning, you know, crystal clear blue waters, Maya Chan is not the place. And Costa Maya is not the place for you in general, okay? that That's first and foremost. But you can still have a great time there. I remember that time we were there, this was actually on Rhapsody of the Seas, believe it or not. And it was knee deep seagrass and we didn't care. I mean, we never went in the water because it was frankly disgusting, but it didn't matter because A, they had fantastic service. B, we just were enjoying a beautiful beach day there and it wasn't terribly hot. We also went in March, so around the time of year you're going. So it's not like it was overbearingly hot that we had to cool down, you know what I mean? And and number three, and this, this is something that's changed since then, they've added a pool to the area, which obviously gives you an alternative to the ocean. But I will tell you, the service, the food, and the ambiance are what makes it worthwhile regardless of the seagrass condition. You know, when it comes to the seagrass and the water, I think, Steve, you know, it's like you said, you know, personally, you don't care that much. There are some people that, that do. Uh, there's some people that, that get hung up on that and can't look past that. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm saying that that's why you're seeing kind of this everything is great, everything's not so great, you know, kind of best of both worlds uh, reviews. So I'm telling you, from, from what you're describing yourself, Steve, I think you'll be okay. For your parents, uh, you know, I would tell you that the good thing about Maya Chan is they will work with you with your schedule. And I think if your parents really don't like it, they can, not that it'll help with the refund or anything like that, but you know, they will offer alternative options to get you out of there sooner than may you may have uh, planned because they just, they realize they actually schedule their own private taxis to bring you back and forth. So, you know, it's not like you're going to be stuck there necessarily. Uh, but I understand that it's kind of, it, it's kind of challenging to, to get those expectations, but I think the service, the food, the ambiance, uh, 
I think you're really gonna love that. And that's why I personally, when I go to Maya, I go to Costa Maya, I, I, the first thing I look at is Maya Jam because it's there. And I'm gonna tell you, the, the seaweed issue, here's a glass half full uh, thing to think about. The, the seaweed issue has been going on now for a couple of years and it still enjoys a tremendous, almost cult-like following. And I think that's for a good reason. And the proof is in the pudding there, so. Next, we have an email from Julie. Writes, I love your podcast. It's helped me so much in planning our recent cruise on Allure of the Seas this summer. It was our first time on an Oasis-class ship, and it did not disappoint. We had a Central Park balcony cabin and landed up, oh, ended up, sorry, spending way more time on our balcony than we expected simply because of the beautiful park atmosphere and peaceful ambiance. I don't know if our jaws got picked up off the ground at all over the first few days as we explored this incredible design and architecture of this gorgeous ship. A few things we loved. One, Central Park live music at night. Two, an amazing massage in the spa. Number three, cooling off in the solarium pool and waterfall. Four, juice bar and smoothies from the Vitality Spa Cafe. Five, getting to know friend, new friends who were seated with us for dinner in the main dining room. I will mention our least favorite thing and ask for you to respond on whether this is a normal experience on these ships. Every evening in the beautiful main dining room, just after our dinner plates got picked up by the excellent waitstaff, our table conversation would get completely halted by a very loud announcer trying to get everyone to start making loud stadium cheers to appreciate the servers or cooks. Several nights, she actually got people out of their seats to make long dance trains to hip hop music throughout the dining room or standing up to do the macarena at our tables. I do enjoy the energetic party, but in my mind, this is better suited for the lounge rather than the, or, or they're on the pool deck uh, during the day. It just didn't suit the exquisite dining room experience. I may be a minority here, but I still love the intriguing table conversations over an espresso and dessert instead of a club party under the chandeliers. Did you see this as a chosen direction for Royal Caribbean dining? Julie, thanks for the email. Uh, first of all, number one, I want to go back to things you loved about the ship. The Vitality Spa is probably the least frequented venue, dining venue, if you want to call it that, of of, of any of them on an away class ship that I've ever been to or not been to, I guess. Uh, I need to spend more time there, so I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. In terms of the dining thing, it, it does happen. It varies from ship to ship. You know, I was just on Mariner of the Seas, and they didn't really do that. I was on Anthem of the Seas over the summer, and we ate a number of nights there and did not. But I do recall seeing this on other ships. Uh, the Macarena, I mean, I've seen this on Majesty. I recall seeing it in a variety of other ships. And I... <laughs> I actually, I think I err on your side of it, Julie. Personally, I wouldn't, I, I don't care for it. It's not my cup of tea. I don't think it's necessary. I do think, first of all, the server should get recognized. I don't think, though, that there, it needs to be like, you know, Macarena one night and uh, a conga line another night. Like, they're trying to make it fun and interesting. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, this is not a stuffy restaurant. You're on, you're on, a, you're on a cruise ship. It's vacation. A lot of people are already enjoying themselves. You know, it's, it's, and there are definitely, you can probably see it yourself, Julie, during these events. There were a lot of people probably getting up and dancing and twirling their napkins and doing all those kinds of things, right? Personally, me and you, Julie, eh, I could take it or leave it and probably leave it, right? But, you know, it, it's one of those things. I understand why they're trying to do it because they're trying to, you know, make it feel like this isn't, you know, oh, we're here at dinner tonight, yes. You know, it's fun. It's, it's not meant to be taken that seriously. But I would, if, if we're up to me, Julie... I'm with you on, uh, you know, let's do that elsewhere. I mean, they should do at one point in the sale, you know, recognize the crew. That's a good thing to do. But, you know, I don't want to stand up and do the Macarena. I don't think I've, I, I probably don't stand up and do it. I'll probably clap along a little bit and be like, 
you know, yay. But that's about the extent of it. I'm also not the most fun person in the whole world. So, you know, that that's just me. But Julie, I'm on Team Julie on this one. I, 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 I kind of see you, you, the way there. It doesn't bother me, but it's one of those things where, look, if I had the choice, I'd probably just skip it all together. So. Next, we have an email from Brandon from Dallas. I've been binge listening to the podcast since our fourth sailing on Enchantment of the Seas out of Galveston at the beginning of the month. We have our fifth sailing in April on Symphony of the Seas, which which we got to see which we got to see in Cozumel next to Enchantment. I have been using a local travel agent for all my sailings, but I haven't seen more from them other than fulfilling quote requests and making sure I pay up on time. Luckily, I haven't had any issues with any sailing which I needed to get them engaged. My question is in regards to what kind of services should I expect from my travel agent? I've heard you previously uh, talk on other podcast episodes uh, and ask about travel agents and specific expectations, but I was really curious of what services the good ones will offer to go above and beyond for their customers. For example, advice on third-party excursions or advertisement of outstanding cruise deals. I definitely would like to talk to our agent and get an idea if they could do more, but don't want to ask for ridiculous expectations either, as they've been very courteous working with them thus far. As an aside, does filling out the MEI form on the blog provide positive confirmation to MEI that their advertising is paying off? If I determine I need to look elsewhere for an agent, that would definitely be the next stop, and I for sure want to make sure your blog gets 100% credit for the fine. Brandon, great email, great question, by the way. And uh, to answer your, let's start with your second part of your question. Yes. Anybody who, MEI Travel, by the way, full disclosure, is a sponsor of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I don't work for them. I'm not part of their company. I don't own the company. Uh, this is a, it's a company, I, MEI Travel is a travel agency that I have known the owner of for probably longer than the blog existed. I'm, I mean, the blog's been around for 10 years now, so I don't know, about 15 years or so. And great people. They offer a fantastic service. And uh, we obviously have since that, those 15 years or so arranged a, a advertising deal here. And yes, Brandon, if you fill out that form, that if you go to realcrimmingblog.com, you'll see a giant yellow form there. You fill that out, they know that it comes from the blog and that does help. The more people that book, uh, and you know, the more people that book cruises uh, through MEI Travel help support realcrimmingblog.com. I always tell people there are two ways. You, If you really want to support realcrimmingblog.com, there are two ways you can do it. Number one is to become a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider, which is somebody who donates to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. There's a program where you can make a monthly donation for as little as $1 a month. You can get a number of benefits awarded to you and also help support the blog. More information about that at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com slash support. And the other one is support our sponsor. And in this case, this is MEI Travel. So uh, by booking with them, they know you're coming from the blog because you filled out that form. And yeah, it does really help. So let's go back to your que your original question about what else should you be expecting from your travel agent? I think it's, and this is a really fair question because obviously you wanna make sure your travel agent is doing you a good job. Certainly what they're doing so far is absolutely what they should be doing, right? You send them a quote, they give it back to you in a timely manner and they make sure you're paid up on time. Uh, they take care of the little changes. I mean, for me, I, here's my, I wish I could have my travel agent on here to talk about all the, requests I make, I feel like these are the requests I usually make. Price quotes, I do that all the time. Hey, how much would it be for this? And in these kind of room categories, 24 hour holds, which I talked about before. Um, the, you know, and, and obviously making payments. Uh, those are probably the bulk of it. I would tell you that I think in, in my observations, 
you know, the super crazy deal things are more rare, but they should be giving to them if they do see them. I have certainly seen them on my end. Of course, I'm also a bit of eccentric when it comes to booking cruises. So I don't really don't need much of an impetus to book, but you know, I have the classic example was a number of years ago. I think it was 2016, the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise on Harmony of the Seas. I was booked in a balcony or something. And my MEI agent reached out to me and was like, hey, uh, you know, there is a fantastic deal to upgrade to a one of the suites on there. And they reached out to me and actually anyone else who was already booked on the cruise as an upgrade opportunity. And so that was totally awesome. But I will tell you, Brandon, the thing that really makes uh, a travel agent earn their keep, so to speak, in my opinion, is the more they can do to keep me off the phone, especially when there's an issue. Classic example came up a couple weeks ago with the hurricane. We were booked on Mariner of the Seas. Hurricane Dorian was coming through. And, you know, there were a number, uh, there were probably three or four, at least, different times in which somebody had to call Royal Caribbean to get, can we do this? Can we change this? And ultimately, can we cancel the cruise? And in every single one of those situations, my travel agent took care of it for me. I never, I never picked up the phone. I never had to do any of it. So they saved me time. And that is what a really good travel agent is all about, especially Brandon on subsequent bookings, which maybe you're seeing already with your current agent, because you book a cruise the first time with an agent. Okay. You got to give them all your information. They got to get to know you a little bit. Right. But on subsequent bookings, what I love doing is a really quick text to my travel agent saying, Hey, I want to book, uh, this ship on this date. Uh, it's me, my wife and kids, and we need these kind of rooms. And it's in a series of like three or four texts you know, we can have the whole thing booked because my travel agent already knows all my information, all my preferences. They, they know I like late seating dining. They know my credit card information. They got everything set up there. So it's, it's saving me time. So again, that I think is what it is. And what you're, so what you've experienced thus far is pretty run of the mill. I mean, you haven't run into any problems, which is great. That's always really, really great. You know, it's really, I think those, the more you use them, the more you should have those options for you. Now, certainly, if you're interested in hearing more about, you know, deals, the one thing, the other thing I should add, I just thought of one other thing that my agent does a lot, which is repricing. Um, my travel agent does not reprice like every day or every hour. That's insane. Uh, if anybody does that, it's just, it's a crazy amount of work. It's not, it's not prudent. What my agent does do is when there's a new sale that comes out, a new promotion by Royal Caribbean, they will take the opportunity and go through all my sailings and reprice them. They do this for their agents, uh, other agents do this for their clients as well. And again, not every day, but when there's a new promotion, because usually, and I emphasize usually, you will see price drops occur, if they are gonna occur, with new promotions. You know, Kids Sale Free comes out, a WOW sale, whatever the case may be. That's usually when you see these things occurring. So that's why it makes more sense for them to wait for these kind of times, opportunities, if you will, to reprice. That's probably the, the biggest thing they do beyond just the usual bookings and taking payments and whatnot. And that is, I think, I think a lot of people will tell you that's probably a big part of what a great travel agent does for you is to do that. So maybe you have a conversation, say, hey, you know, I'm just making sure, you know, one of the things that you know you can do is, you know, reprice between when you book and final payment date. Is this something you offer? I'm not asking, you know, and again, you're not asking for it every day or anything like that, but you know, periodically, are you checking quotes? You know, are you checking prices for new uh, ways to save money? And they may or may not do that. It's not that I don't, if they tell you we never do that, I don't know that's completely unfair. Certainly if you're doing it on your end, Brandon, and you say, hey, by the way, I see there's a price drop for our room. Can you reprice it for me? They should then take the impetus to do it at the very least. 
um, not giving you any issues with repricing, certainly not charging you any fees for their service. That's a big one right there. No travel agent, especially here in North America, should be charging you any fees to use their service, period. End of story. For booking a cruise, I mean, you know, other things, airfare, I'm not going to comment on that. But, um, yeah, make sure you have at least that. So I hope that hopefully this rambling of travel agent expectations has helped you out there, Brandon. It's a really good question. And, and you know, I always talk about you should use a good travel agent, but defining what that is all about is, is important. Next email is from Brian Grantham. I hope you're doing well. I have an idea for the podcast, Royal Caribbean Confessions. For example, I've never been to the Quest, ever. I am ashamed. Similarly, I always fly in the day of and always schedule a flight out mid-morning when leaving. Just a thought, I'd be glad to confess my sins. Brian, I, missing the Quest, forgivable. Flying in the day of? My God, do you, do, you, do you take your toaster in the morning and put it in your bathtub while you toast? You're playing with fire. Don't do that. Oh, man. All right. Royal Caribbean Confessions. Guys, I want you to send me an email. This will be a real quick email. Like, just put confessions in your subject line and give me a one-liner confession. We should do this as a podcast episode because I would love to hear some great things that you, uh, you know, whether it's something you've never done that you always hear about, something crazy like Brian is here with flying in the day of. What's, what's a confession that I... I never plan a cruise more than one ahead of time. So this is obviously a bit of a thing, kind of a map thing, right? But like, as an example, I have, as of recording this podcast, you know, two cruises coming up here in the, in, in the end of 2019 and a bunch in 2020, right? There's always sales and discounts and prices on drink packages and dining and all that stuff, right? I never price it out more than one cruise ahead of time. So right now, my next cruise is Oasis of the Seas for Thanksgiving. And... A friend of mine was, oh, you know, for our Freedom, the Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise on Freedom of the Seas in December, hey, there's a great deal on, I, th uh, I think it was a uh, drink package or dining package, whatever. Voom, it was Voom Internet. And I was like, I'm not looking at it. And he's like, but it's a really great deal. I'm like, I'm not look I only do one cruise at a time. No matter, I mean, the exception to this rule was the $18 a day drink package snafu, which came out earlier this summer. But that being aside, I, I no matter what, I think no matter what, I really never look ahead. It's just, even though it costs me money in the grand scheme of things, I just, I don't know. I can't, I, there's something about it mentally. I have a mental block about it. I just can't bring myself to do that. But maybe you guys have some crazier ones. I'm trying to think if I do anything else that's truly, you know, like on, on the same line of like flying in the day. I'm like, what's if, is there a faux pas that I personally do that I always preach against? I don't, I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I don't smuggle alcohol on board. I don't do any of those kinds of things. Uh, um, I've I've changed a lot of how I cruise, um, and, I, and quite frankly, a lot of it is just based on the advice. I mean, it's not just advice I preach. I really feel like these are things that absolutely make sense um, for your own protection, quite frankly. But anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing some more uh, Royal Caribbean confessions. I think it's a great idea, Brian. Thanks for sharing that. We have time for one more email. One more email, and uh, is gonna be coming to us from Elizabeth Tolley, hope I'm saying this right. I have a question about the drink package. Is there is there a better deal than the buy one, get one 50% off? And when are the best times to buy this? Last year we bought Black Friday. If we purchase and it has a better sale, will they reimburse us the difference? Elizabeth, great question. Here's the deal. If you know you want to get the drink package, which sounds like you do, Elizabeth, what you want to do is book it right now. Absolutely, go to the cruise planner, book it now, because if there's a price drop, if tomorrow, next week, Black Friday, whenever, there is a price drop before your cruise for that drink package, Elizabeth, you can go on the cruise planner, immediately cancel it, and then reprice for the same 
for the new price, I should say. And so they, you get the difference in the sense that you're canceling and then rebooking. There's no penalty for doing that. And the reason why you should book it now and not wait for Black Friday, Elizabeth, is the price can go up. And by booking it now, you guard against a price increase, but can still take advantage of a price drop. So there you go, Elizabeth. Good uh, question right there. Thank you to everybody for the emails today. And if you want to send me your emails, you can always send it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.